Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. So we've started last week this new series on 1 Corinthians and we'll be going through this epistle. It's called Beautiful Mess. And why did we uh, take this title or why Beautiful Mess? The beauty with God is that he wants to reach this world and he still has a heart for the broken. And when you look at the town of Corinth, it was a mess culturally. And I shared about that last week. And God had a plan to bring life to the community. And so this is where uh, Paul did his second missionary trip and was there for 18 months. And, and there was a church established in that city. And, and that's the heart of God. Amen? And I believe that's the heart of God still today. He wants to reach this world. And he wants to use us as ambassadors, as vessels to flow through. Another thing that we, we talked about and, and we see this in this epistle is that God loves the church. Beautiful mess. The reality is there was a lot of issues and we'll go through many of the issues that the Corinthian church was going through. But God loves the church and, and he wants to come in it and he wants to bring healing and restoration and, and he wants to, to be in the center of what we do. So really when you look at this epistle it focuses on God's affection for humanity. God's affection for the lost and also God's affection for us, and, and so I want you to open up to see God speak to you and, and to see God move you in a way that you will be able to let go, surrender, and see his will be born in you. Amen? So if you have your Bible, take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 to 18, and, and uh, I'm going to be focusing on unity, and unity is a big deal. Can you say that to your neighbor? Unity is a big deal. And I'll try to unpack that in the next half hour on the need and the call for us to experience unity. So if you have your Bible or you can see it on the screen in the back from the NIV, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another so that, you may be, so that there might be no division among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Verse 11, my brothers... Some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels, quarrels among you. Oh, what, what I mean is this. Uh, um, one say, uh, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And Cephas means Peter. And still other, I follow Christ. And some are saying that I'm from this clan, I'm from the other clan, and others are not part of a clan. They have elimination by God. They don't need other people. I, 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 like when you compare Paul, Apollos, and, and Cephas, and then someone says, I, I follow Jesus, then what, what, what do you say, right? And so, so here you see verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I'm thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and, and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Verse 16, yes, I also baptized the hustle of Stephanus. Uh, beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. Verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, 
uh, let the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing, but for us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So what we find in this, these, these verses is God calling uh, the church to walk in unity. And, and Paul is there as this vessel that promotes it. And uh, so that's one of the first things he mentioned in this epistle. Hey, guys, you have to walk in unity. Like I said, there was different clans. And, and, and because of the different clans, what happened is that there was, they were not able to move forward. The lack of unity was their bottleneck. And, uh, and, and I believe that when there's unity, there's progress. If you look at Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, it's a powerful verse. It talks about uh, the people at the Tower of Babel. And it says, look, and God is saying this, look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. So when we look at the, at the, at the reality of u- unity, when you are united in your marriage, when you're united in a church, when you're united in, in your business or in your community, what it does, it, create a plot, it creates a platform for progress. And if a church is unified, if a marriage is unified, a community is unified, what happens is it opens the door to progress. And when you don't have unity, you're not able to step in what God has in store. I remember in 2005, it was about this time of, uh, well, it was in the fall. I don't know, I didn't look at my sermon then, but it was around this season. And uh, one morning, I went to IGA. Some of you remember when we had an IGA in Winkler. So I remember going to the IGA, and, and I, I was looking at the people that were working behind the deli counter, and uh, they were all dressed in white, and they had uh, aprons in white, and they had plastic aprons. And as I'm shopping for this and that, I get this idea, man, that would be pretty cool to have a service on Sunday morning and have everybody wear a white apron. And so I went home and I was looking for buying, where can I buy some aprons? And I wanted to talk on that on the next Sunday, so I was under the gun. Uh, There was no Amazon Prime yet, I believe. And so uh, what do you do? So I went back to the store. I went back to IGA and I said, hey, could could you sell me some aprons? But he thought... Maybe like it would be five aprons or something. And I told him, I, I, I want 140 aprons. And he looks at me like, what are you, you going to do with 140 aprons? And I told him a bit the story. And, and, and so what I did on this, that Sunday morning, I can't remember exactly how, when it was given, but I remember seeing myself. I know one thing. I don't know when in the service I did that, but I had the box of aprons and people were coming in and I was giving aprons. Is there some of you that were there? One hand. I knew we had more in the first service. Maybe up there. Okay. So what I did is gave the aprons and I asked people to wear it. It was pretty cool because you had, um, you had everybody wearing an apron. And at that time in the church, there was three major clans. And the clans were in conflict with each other. And the church wasn't going anywhere because of, of like, I'm from Apollos and I'm from uh, uh, Cephas. And, and so there was like different clans. And, and, and so my thought was, I, I believe it was a God thought, is like, hey, we're all the same. 
And what I did is I, told, I asked them, if you have any issues with other people in this congregation, we'll take a pause here, and I'll invite you to go and see the person and reconciliate or do something. And it was pretty amazing because you saw people leave the pews and their pews because we had pews then and, and they went to see each other and they were all having a, like a white apron from the front. It was amazing to see. And, and I, I believe it was a process of healing. It, was, it started uh, with that and I believe that, that, um, that from there there was healing that happened and we were able to move on. And I, I really believe as I journeyed as a pastor that when it comes to unity, it's a big deal. And, and, and it's like, if there's no unity in the context that you live in, it's not positive. Um, we've been, uh, today, it's, we are celebrating, my wife is gone, I thought she was there, oh, she's there in the back. We are celebrating our 35th anniversary today, it's pretty cool. And, and one of the things that was pivotal in our journey, it's being in one accord. Being in one accord has been a big piece for me and my wife. When we moved here, we needed to be in one accord. Uh, we needed to walk together and, and, and grow in unity. And, and not only grow in unity, but also to ask these two questions. What is Jesus saying when it comes to our lives? And also, what does he want us to do? Like, what is he saying? But also, what does he doesn't want us to do? And to look at this and to navigate through life with these, these two thoughts is, is, God, we know that if we're unified, that you will work. And if we're not unified, it's not going to work. And at the same time, not just being unified to do whatever, but it's to be under the lordship of Christ. And it's a journey, right? It would be awesome to say that we were always, but, but I, I think it's important for us to see that unity is a big deal. When a church doesn't have unity, it doesn't go anywhere. Like, I, I counsel pastors from all over, and one of the first questions I ask them, are you united, are you united in, at your leadership level? Are you united in the church? And sometimes they don't know what to say because they're looking for ingredients for growth, but they don't realize that the foundation is unity. And that's what we did for a while in GMC, we focused on unity, and, and we, we, we really worked toward getting closer. And, and so, so when there's no unity, and I was looking at how I felt when there was no unity in my context, um, there's a lack of trust. There's fear. There's stress. Right? When there's tension at work, you don't want to go. There's tension. It's, it's stressful. It, it brings like I said, tension. And, and, and when there's no unity, you're prone to get hurt because you're always watching for what is done and what is said. And what happens is you read between lines. And then you place a lot of expectation on others. Well, how come he didn't do this and did, didn't do that? You focus on the others and you have expectation. What happens then? It paralyzes you. And then you can't flow in the leading of the Holy Spirit because you're paralyzed. And that's what happened in the Corinthian church. In chapter 11, they're divided when it comes to taking communion. And you got the rich and the poor, and it's chaos, and there's even sickness that's happening, and people were dying because they didn't treat the, the table of the Lord with honor, but it was linked to unity. 
Look at chapter 12. Paul talks about that they are a body with different members, but there's some members thought that they didn't need the body, and so Paul focused on the need for unity. In chapter 13, we see the chapter of love. In this chapter 13, it talks about how we are called to treat each other with love. Chapter 14, it says how we're called to treat each other when we have church. And 15 talks about how we are united because Christ is coming back and we're influenced by his coming back because we know that it doesn't stop here. So when you look at this epistle, there's such a focus on unity because Paul understood that if there's no, no unity, it doesn't move forward. Look at your relationships. Maybe family, marriage, uh, leadership at your work. When there's fraction and when there's division, it's not fun, right? But when there's unity and there's communication and there's a desire to meet and to understand each other because of the value that you see of unity, it's because we're not perfect, right? And so there's going to be disunity based on our sins and based on our inner lives. So we want to see God free us and bring freedom in our lives. But when there's a walk towards unity, a desire, this is where you're creating a platform for God to do and, and work in an amazing way. You look at Genesis, and sometimes when you look at the Bible, you, you got to look at the first because lots of, there's lots to learn when it comes to looking at the first uh, topic that you find in the Bible. And, and you, if you look in the garden, the first thing that the enemy goes after is unity. Did God really say? Putting a wedge between humanity and its creator. That's what the devil came to do. To put a wedge. Wanted to bring division. Did God really say and then after they've stepped in sin and they've disobeyed what God told them not to or, and when they ate the fruit and, they, uh, and they, uh, they walked away from the ordinance of the Lord, what did the man do? He blamed her, blamed Eve. It's her fault. And he also blames God. And he says, the wife that you gave me caused me to sin. Put a wedge between husband and wife. And in the same, basically the same story, a few chapters later, you see that Cain is jealous of his brother Abel because he, has a, he brought offerings to God and, and Abel took, God took pleasure in, in the offering of Abel and Abel, uh, uh, yeah, and Cain became jealous to the point of killing him, putting a wedge between brothers. You see, when you look at the agenda of the enemy, it's all about division, if you can have division in a home, the enemy dances. When you have a division in the church where everyone is polarized or there's clans, the enemy laughs. Because the enemy, the enemy understands that when there's unity, God is at work. It's like unity is God's climate. It's a climate of heaven. I'll take, I'd like to unpack that today. But it's important for us to know. That when you do life, wherever it is, there's a battle going on, and it's to put wedges between each other. We saw that in COVID. Would you agree? We look back, and we got to take a note of that, how much it brought division between people. And, and what really mattered was what we should have not focused on, but what we should have focused on is how do we treat each other. Okay? Okay. Uh, pro-vaccine, uh, against vaccine, blah, 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 blah. I think what should have been the main focus is how am I treating you? How are you treating me? 
based on relationship. Because I really believe the heart of the enemy was to bring division. I took note of that. I realized when it happened to church, the first thing that was hit hard was division. Why? Because when there's division, the church is paralyzed. When there's a division in the home, the home becomes paralyzed. What happened is that you lose your peripheric vision and you get consumed by this thing. And when you do that, you miss out on what God wants to do because you're caught. You see? And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bring us in captivity. And, and I believe that, that, that when we are not aware of that, we can fall in a straw because division brings confusion and a loss of focus. It really does. So, so, so when I take offense... I miss out on what God wants to do. Look what Paul says in verse 13. It says, if, is Christ divided? No. Was, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. What, what, what Paul is saying here is that the, it's not linked to the clan, clans. It's linked to Jesus. Like, and, and the focus is on the cross. There's two things in this text I read. is the need for unity. But what unites us is Christ. What unites us is the cross. And the cross talks about suffering. When you look at the cross, like some of us, we wear a cross. It's not, the cross is not beautiful, right? In our era, it would be maybe a, a machine gun. It's, it's a tool of pain. It's a tool of murder. And when we look at the cross, it's, it's ugly. Like Christ was a blob of blood on that wood. And so when we look at the cross and we focus on the power of the cross that brings inner freedom and healing, we'll talk more about that next week, where the wise don't understand because it doesn't make any sense. But the Christian that came and humbled himself at the cross and said yes to Christ, there's this explosion inside of you where God comes and he arises in you. The seed needs to die. And when it dies, this is where God explodes in someone's life. That's what we, we call salvation, right? Well, it's the same thing when it comes to unity. The unity, uh, when you look at Christ, the, the submission and, and the, um, the surrender and the death is linked to the cross. So Jesus is bringing the focus. Hey, guys, what brings unity is to focus on who Jesus is and what he has done and copy him and copy him. And so that's what we want to see, right? You, you look at when division happens is when we zoom on each other. Did you know that you have microorganism on your skin? Don't want to hear this, right? But I've got bugs walking all over me. It's gross when you think about it. And, and imagine if I come to you and I take this microscope and I put you under it. You know what I'm going to find? Bugs. <laughs> but when you're on a mission and you got fire in the house, do you focus on these bugs? Do you, does it cross your mind? But you could be grossed out and you could not shake hands and, and not being involved with other people based on the bugs that they have, but you also have bugs too. So, and it's funny because these bugs, we are their universe, right? They walk this far on, on our body and they think that we are planet Earth or something. Uh, but the reality is that we carry bugs. And when we focus on the bugs, we don't move. If you focus on my flaws, you focus on my bugs, then you're going to leave. 
But if you focus on the big picture, and you focus on the call, you focus on the, mis- on the mission that we're on, and the genuineness and the desire, not perfect, but the motive is right, then what, what, what you do is that you move forward, right? But we can't focus on the bugs. And, and you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, 16, we see the whole intent of God. By his death on the cross, Christ reconciled us and united different races into one body. He brought us all back to God, ending hostility. The miracle of reconciliation, the epistle of Ephesians says. So why is unity such a big deal? First, it's because God is unified. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. God revealed himself to Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One of the things that I caught in the early years of GMC was the climate we wanted to have. And I realized when we had aprons, we need unity. Understanding the principle of unity. But also the desire to see God move. And if you look at 2 Chronicle, Chronicle chapter 5, verse 13, then that was a rhema, like the light came on of what we were called to pursue. It talks about the, when the temple was built. It says that the trumpeters and singers joined in unison. Can you say unison? Unison. As one voice. They were one people. They were unified. God Okay, God, this is what you're asking. To give praise and thanks to the Lord. Focus was on God. Like the first call that they realized was ministering to the Lord first. Put him first in everything. That's why we change our worship style. This is why we, re- we remove offertory, kids feature, uh, roaming mic, and we all ditch that because our primary call, you see, was to worship God and be caught up with him like we did this morning because we were made for his presence and eternity will be where we will be just free in his presence. So we focused on that, realizing that if we're unified and we focus God, you know what happens? God shows up. For sure, you walk according to his word. For sure, you have a walk of integrity and you embrace orthodoxy. But at the same time, not but, but at the same time, you, you see what happens here. Accompanied by trumpet cymbals and other instruments, they raised their voice in praise to the Lord and sang. He is good and his love endures forever. Look what it says after the dream that we want to see. That the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Wow, that's the dream. But what are the ingredients for that, do you think? Unity and a desire for God, a hunger for God, a passion for Him, a longing to see Him in our lives where we're just caught up with Him, worshiping Him first. And then walking in unity and seeing this so important that we push aside our differences or preferences because we value God's presence and we want other people to be encountered by God. So unity in God's presence. So when we look at why do we worship, it's because God is unified. God shows up when there's unity and when there's a focus on him. Secondly, it's the heart of Jesus. That's what he prayed in John chapter 17. The prayer of Jesus He was going to die, and he prayed this to his father. Like it says, my prayer is not 
for them alone, talking about his disciples. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, and that's us, that they might be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that, we, that you sent me. Like the world may believe that, we've, that, that he sent, us, that sent him, it's his unity with the Father, and it's the same testimony that we have when we are unified. We have that testimony. But that's the heart of Jesus. That's what Jesus prayed. And it's not optional to say, well, you know, I'll pray on that. You don't have to pray on that. It's very clear. My commandment is this. Love each other as I've loved you. And, and he goes a little further. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay his life down for his friends. Who am I called to lay my life down to? That's the question I had when I read this verse. So who am I called to lay my life down? And, and Jesus laid his life down for us. And I have this commandment to, 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 to walk by is love each other as I loved you. And we know how much he loved us, right? King of kings, left the glory, took the form of a slave, Philippians chapter 2. He came to serve us, wash our feet. And he, he was the lamb of God that was brought to the butchery. He didn't say a word. And on the cross, he said, forgive us. Like that rocks me. How can I see that in my life? But that's the example I'm called to follow, not to fight for my rights, and not, to, to, not to look at my own interests, but, a, but to surrender. And it's a journey, right? And I can't do this on my own. I need to see the Holy Spirit come and, and refine and change and remove the layers and lock my heart and bring healing to my inner man. But I need to realize it's not optional. It's also my testimony. In, in John 13, verse 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciple because of the love that you have for one another. When the world is watching and they're looking at the church, you should see a difference, right? And so if they're watching and they're not seeing a difference, why would they come? Because there's nothing difference, different. And the difference is not a program that we create or things that we do or, or laws that we apply. It's God in us. And God at us brings transformation within and causes us to be like Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's the mandate or the call that we have, and that's how we define sanctification. The process of becoming more like Jesus, based on surrender and based on more of him and less of me. And it's not easy, right? But that's what we want to see. So it's our testimony, the testimony that we give to the world is that we love each other. And we do the effort. And we try to mend. We try to bridge. Because that's our nature. Because God is like that. Why unity? It's because it's our authority. Again, I tell you in Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I tell you that two or three on earth agree about anything you ask for. It will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Look at verse 20. So powerful. For when two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. In my name. It's way more than generic here. You come in his name. You come in submission to him. Surrender to him. And the body comes and does that. God shows up. Right? And it's our authority. And because of God shows up, then there's a progression of God's kingdom. It's the same thing in your marriage. You know when there's no unity. So what are you going to do? Live your life like, ah, oh, you know, oh, we don't really need it. Oh, you really, really need it. You really, really need it. 
doesn't mean that you have to do some work. Mm -hmm. But first of all, you need to value it and realize it's an important factor if you want to be fruitful in your relationship in your household. I cannot, I cannot move forward fully if I don't surrender and I don't see it as a value. It, it, it's an authority you, you find in Levit, Leviticus chapter 26, verse 7. It says, you will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. And your enemies will fall by the sword uh, before you. Like five will chase a hundred, a hundred will chase ten thousand. One will chase twenty, one will chase a hundred. Like the, those that, the hundred that chase, chases a ten thousand is like one per hundred. And this is what you call synergy. So you see there's a battle going on. The enemy doesn't want to see that. So the enemy wants to see the, small, the church be small, self-focused, uh, inward uh, driven, and, and when that happens, then we are not effective. And, and so it's important for us to realize that unity is our authority. Can you say that to your neighbor? Unity is our authority. That's a big statement. I could only preach on that. Unity is our authority. Let it just sink, sink down. Unity is our authority. Hmm. It's a proof of our maturity also. That's, we can find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, as, but as worldly, mere infant in Christ. And I shared that verse last week. I gave you milk, not solid food, uh, for you were not ready uh, for it. And eight years later, he says, you're still worldly. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Does that prove, um, doesn't that prove you that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people in the world where you say, um, I'm from, I follow Paul and the other, I follow Apollos. Aren't you acting just as the world does? Like, wow, he's saying, you're not being, you're not being Christian right now. You're being caught on preferences and you, lose, you lost focus of the cross. How do I walk in unity? Well, I've got to focus on what really matters if we don't focus on what really matters, there's never going to be unity because there's always going to be change. We're not talking here about uniformity and everybody thinks like the same and we're all robotic. No, but I'm talking about unity of purpose. That's what happened in the upper room. 120 that were different, but they were together seeking what? The work of the Holy Spirit. And they placed themselves before God. And here we are today, 2,000 years later. So I need to focus on what really matters. I need to focus on the picture, big picture. I need to see, secondly, I need to see urgency of it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 from the message version. Look what it says. Be alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Quick at mending fences. Don't let it fester because you will find Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that bitter roots grow up and cause trouble and defile many. If I go back 16 years ago, that's the DNA and the culture we wanted to have. A pursuit for God and unity. And I believe that God showed up. And he still does. The ripple effect, the ministry, it's amazing what God is doing. But it's the same thing that we need today. In our families, 
in our marriage, in our church, in our workplace. It's, that's what we still need today. But there needs to be a kind of urgency and say, what am I going to do? Just focus on me and miss out on the big picture. Like, number three, I need to learn to let go and forgive. It's not always easy. It says that in Mark chapter 11, verse 25. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You, you got to let go. You got to forgive. And another, another thing you want to do is I need to choose transparency, humility versus pride and shunning people. Shunning people is a big deal. You know, we don't, they, they don't, you don't agree with them, you shun them. You pretend they don't exist. That's not what you're called to do. I, I like this quote from Craig Rochelle when he says, people may admire you for your strength, but they will connect with you because of your, your weaknesses. You see? I, I think it's so true that if you are real, people will be drawn to you. They might say, oh man, you're amazing, but then you're untouchable. And this is what God wants us to be. It's to be just who we are and let God shine in. If there's differences, then we talk about it. We navigate through it. But we don't want to close our hearts and, and, and miss out. And, and that's what the enemy would want you to experience in your relationships. Don't do that. Fight for your relationships. Fight for your relationships. It brings me to my last point. Ask for help. And ask for his help and step forward. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As prisoners of the Lord, like, are you a prisoner of the Lord? Mm hmm you are. I should be a prisoner of the Lord. Meaning that he should have the last word over my life. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you receive. We all receive the calling. And how do we live worthy of the calling? Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing one another in love. Look what it says at the end. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. So, just to wrap up, the first Corinthian church was not going anywhere because they had clans and disunity, and Paul is addressing it. And it's the same thing when it comes to our lives. We need unity. In the church, in our marriage, in our family, in our workplace, in our community, we got to pray for that. And, we, and when we take a hold of this truth that God will come and move powerfully when our worship is to him, where it's about him, and that we're in unison. Amen. I would ask you to stand. Father, I thank you for each person here and, and for unity. And I thank you for the beauty of being together and I just pray that you would speak to our hearts on the value of unity and at every leadership relational level that you would speak to our hearts mm. in Jesus name amen thanks for listening if there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey email prayer at gmchurch.ca if you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.